0: The year was 1910. In Paris, and President Teddy Roosevelt gave a speech. It's a pretty long speech. I encourage you to look it up. But this segment, this quote from it, has always stood out to me. And I read it to you now It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there's no effort and shortcoming, but who actually does strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause Who at the best knows, in the end, the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. My friends, this is our time in the arena. Just by showing up today, you have stepped foot in here. Whether you are 16 or 86 or anywhere in between, you are alive and you are in the arena. This is our time on the earth. And we are given the privilege, each of us, the privilege to choose how we will live. We are able to choose to follow God or a dozen, dozens upon dozens of other opportunities. This is our time right now. And someday it won't be. A wise pastor once said to a group of seminary students, we are all interims, whether we serve a church for two years or 20 years. And for those of us as believers, as those of us as church members, whether we are pastor or in the pew, that is true. We are all serving our time, and someday we won't be. Our time might be limited, and so, in my mind at least, we don't want to waste it. We must focus on what matters most. And what matters most is our relationship to Jesus Christ. Jennifer already introduced that we're speaking about John today. And so I thought, what would John have to tell us? If he was standing in this pulpit, what would he tell us? A few things about John. As Jennifer said, he was a very strange man. Um, we probably would not follow him um, And yet people did. He wore camel hair. He ate locusts. um, He preached in a desert. We don't even know how his ministry started. But at some point, he was talking in the desert. And somebody said, oh, we should listen to this guy. And they went and told other people. And people came. If you know his background, his father was a priest. So in the lineage, he should have been in the temple serving in a position of prestige and comfort offering sacrifices for people and continuing the system as it had gone on for years and years and years. And yet John starts his ministry in the desert, and he is so powerful, so charismatic, he builds this entire ministry out of nothing. He has his own disciples. He baptizes so many people that people literally call him the baptizer. And he throws all of that away. He throws it all away for some carpenter who just starts copying his moves and starts baptizing people. He gives Jesus all of the credit. He even tells his own disciples, hey, don't follow me anymore. Go follow that guy. That's the one who you should follow. And they all say, why are you doing this, John? This is a bad career move, John. John, you could be rich. We haven't even started selling books yet. We've got all this stuff ready and planned. Your full financial career is secure. The desert talks of John, and you're throwing it all away. You see, John didn't care what people called him. If he found out we called him the Baptist, he would be unimpressed. John simply wanted to be known as a friend of Jesus. What mattered most to him was his relationship to Jesus Christ. He knew his time was limited, and he set his priorities very clearly and very openly to everyone who asked. And so, a few things that John could teach us today about following Jesus. Like John, we are here to bear witness to Jesus Christ. If you read in verse 28, he tells his disciples, You yourselves bear me witness that I said, or I witnessed, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. We, as believers, as Christians, as followers of God in this world, are here to bear witness to Jesus Christ. Everything that we do in the church, God willing and with much prayer, is to go along that goal, is to bear witness to what Jesus has done and is doing in our lives. We are here to bear witness that sin and death is defeated, that they are on borrowed time. The evil and injustice, no matter how horrible they look on the news, are passing away. Our lives are no longer our own. Our old priorities and our old habits and our old methods of doing things are gone. They're dead. They're dead in a desert with John's ministry. Jesus is here, and we are his witnesses. Our job on earth is to speak of him, not to keep on going with the flow of everything and just say, well, woe is me. 2021 was hard. But to say, no, Jesus is here in the good and in the bad, that Jesus is with us, and his words matter more than our words about ourselves. I don't know about y'all, but my wife and I enjoyed watching the Olympics in Tokyo. Um, It was an amazing just marathon of watching TV. Um, We did nothing while the athletes did everything. It was great. Um, Discovering that ping pong, of all things, is an Olympic sport. I, I have a chance. Like, I am reasonably good, and I could do it. So if you all ever see me on TV, just give a shout out. It'll be ping pong. I'm not good at anything else. Um, And what was amazing is these commentators would say, ah, he's using the special paddle hold number three, and he's doing this move, and they're just playing ping pong people. Um, And you get from these critiques to the judges' critiques, and it's the most technical scoring system available. I mean, forget ping pong. Just watch a diving tournament. And it is the most in the the little bitty details of are they good, are they bad, did they win, did they get second place? I mean, my goodness, it's exhausting. And yet don't we do that in our own lives? We rate ourselves and say, well, I was pretty good this week. I wonder if that balances out last week. But oh, I slipped up, we're here, we're here. Am Am I on top, am I on bottom? What is going on? Where does God rate me in the scale? And Jesus speaks over all of that. And the reason they call the gospel the good news is that he says, I've, I've got it under control. There's grace here. In many ways, what God says about us matters much, much more than what we say about ourselves. We are his messengers to a hurting world, to a world that needs to hear about grace, that needs to hear about love. And that message was true 2,000 years ago for John, and it is very, very true today for us We are his witnesses. But like John, we are not just witnesses. If you read in verse 29, he says, The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, or the best man, stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. We not only talk about Jesus, we're not just voices speaking out, but we are also his friends. Um, The picture that John uses is of a best man. We are the closest of friends with Jesus. We are about his business, as they would say in the old world. Um, We do what he says, and we know that what God says about the world matters more than what we say about it. That we try and live our daily lives, and we try and live in the world as Jesus commanded us to do. Imagine if you went to a wedding, and it was a cowboy wedding. I know, strange. I've actually been to a cowboy wedding. It was incredible. Um, But imagine that the best man showed up in a full tuxedo. Everyone else is wearing their spurs and their hats, and he's just standing there. And he said, well, I thought this was better. Very uncomfortable wedding, right? We would all just stare at that guy the whole time. Or say there was a Star Wars wedding, which I have not been to. If any of y'all want to have that, please invite me. I want to see that. But imagine if the maid of honor showed up in a sports jersey And the bride was dressed up as Princess Leia. Scandalous. Crazy. Right? At the end of the day, what the bride and groom, mostly the bride, but what the bride and groom say about their wedding matters more than what the best man and maid of honor say. That's just simple, right? And yet we all have our causes, our fads, our beliefs, our our things that we like to attach to Jesus and his gospel. And we say, well, this is actually a little bit more important. Just a little bit more. This issue that, man, has only been around for 20 years, that's what Jesus really meant in the Bible. So we're going to talk about that. Sorry, Jesus. Um, when in reality, it is, it is his show, as they say. Um, our lives and our beliefs and our, our loves are meant to fit in harmony with Jesus and what he commands us, what he asks us to live, how he wants us to live. We are his friends, and he is God. And we, although we occasionally dislike it, are not. Trends come and go, and we should measure all of them by the word of Jesus and what he said, whether it is good, whether it is bad. Occasionally, there will be a trend or a fad that comes along that's not bad. It's just not what Jesus talked about. It's just kind of okay. And that's fine. You can evaluate that. But we have to evaluate everything under the light of what Jesus said. John's entire career, his entire desert ministry, we don't know how long it went, but it was good. It was very good. People were coming to know God. They were walking in faith. Later on in the scriptures, you see that people followed John's thing and then went and spread it all over the Roman world. And yet John was wise enough to see that his good ministry for God was getting in the way of Jesus. And he said, no, I don't want that. I'm going to throw that away. That's, That's not important to me anymore. He was a friend of Jesus in every way that he could be, and he focused on the things that Jesus loved. There's one final thing that John has to teach us, and it supports and it enriches the first two. If we are to be a witness and a friend, this is the pinnacle of what that means. This is the pinnacle of John's life, the defining sentence, the nail in the coffin to his old life. Apart from Jesus Christ. The famous words, you've probably seen them printed on pillows everywhere and on bumper stickers and all that good stuff. Um, he says, Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He, speaking of Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. We, like John, are to be joyful, not just joyful in the sense of, Oh, I'm really happy, but literally full of joy at our relationship with Jesus, that Jesus in the world and in our lives is increasing, that we are living on his terms, not ours, and that what God says about himself and his relationship to us matters more than what we want or what we think we can get out of it, that God is not just a means to an end, but he is the goal. He is the reality that we are all here for, that we're not just living to get that stamp of approval to get to heaven, But we are here to know God, to worship God, to live so intimately with him that we can give up our lives for him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, a favorite of mine, you've heard me mention him before, um, said this about loving God. He said, loving God does not mean that we say, well, God will help us again if things go bad. That is truly a poor, weak faith. Loving God means rejoicing in God, being eager to think of and pray to god it means being glad in god's presence and to be with god alone john's image of the bridegroom seeing the bride and rejoicing and the best man standing there and being happy for him is a powerful 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 image for us of that joy and that level of closeness that he can say everything that is yours i am excited for you and i want to support you and help you in this john's joy his life As Jennifer said, his entire ministry were in Jesus in the increase of Jesus in his life and in the world and that his name was elevated while John's was lowered. I was reading in the ancient world, um, honor and fame were not just considered something we could all share. They thought of fame as something that was, you could almost hold it in your hand and if you had a certain amount of fame, that meant I did not have that amount of fame. And so there's a constant struggle for who gets the most fame and glory and honor. And it was seen almost as a, um, a value that you could put on a person of, oh, they are very well known. Therefore, they get the best seats, they get the best food, they get the best treatment. Um, it, was, it was a sign of wealth in their culture. And so for John to say, I want him to, to increase and I want to decrease, is a completely opposite view of life and of how to live. He's he's living in a countercultural world where he recognizes Jesus can have all the fame. I don't I don't want anything. I'd rather stay in this desert and just worship and just let him let him shine. I myself have to ask what I call the job question constantly. If God took everything away from me, would I still would I still be able to say these words? Would I still worship Jesus? with love and joy and peace in my heart, or would I be done? Would I say, eh, it didn't work out. I'll try something else. And I have to add to that question, the John question. If all of my ministry had taken Jesus out of it, and I could evaluate, okay, everything that I've done as a Christian, both in pulpit and out of pulpit, if I take Jesus out of it, is it still good? Does it still matter? Does it still honor and glorify him? Or do I need to trash all of that and start over and just say, "Jesus, help me. This is Your life. Just, just increase. I don't know what I'm doing. Just please be the big G God in my life and tell me what to do." You see, we're all called to be witnesses, to be friends, and to be joyful in Jesus Christ. And that that line of thought, that confession, is what we would say um, has been with Christianity since the beginning. Um, In the early, early, early church, um, when you wanted to say that you were a Christian, you would just say two words. they were in Greek. Um, I will not say them because I'll butcher them. But um, it translates roughly to, Jesus is Lord. And that was their statement. They would just say it to each other, and that's how they could identify who they were. They were saying that Jesus is in command. Jesus is God. Jesus is the ruler of my life. Jesus is Lord. And in 2021, we don't use lords and dukes and duchesses and all that stuff too much anymore. And yet Jesus still stands as our Lord. For our time in the arena, for our time in the fight, we are Jesus's church. We are his messengers, and we pray that he increases in our lives and in the world. We witness that Jesus alone is Lord and King and God, and that he is increasing John gave up everything to follow him, and it cost him his life in the end. And yet, I feel like this, this joy that he has here stayed with him. And when he reached the gates of heaven, there was that reward that you you have done it. You, you aimed true for your time in the fight. He knew that Jesus had to increase. Is that true for us today? Let us pray.